This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of THA aseptic loosening from the recon section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. THA aseptic loosening is a macrophage-induced inflammatory response that results in bone loss and implant loosening in the absence of an infection. Diagnosis can be made with plain radiographs of the hip. Treatment is generally revision arthroplasty with exchange of all loose components. Now let's get into the episode. Starting with etiology, the steps in the process of THA aseptic loosening include prosthesis micromotion, particulate debris formation, and macrophage-activated osteolysis. Be sure to listen to the episode on wear and osteolysis basic science for a full description of the process of aseptic loosening in a total hip arthroplasty. Moving on to the presentation of THA aseptic loosening, patients will have symptoms of pain. In terms of location, patients may experience groin pain, thigh pain, or knee pain. In terms of aggravating factors, pain is often activity-related. Moving on to physical exam, patients may have minimal pain with range of motion and increased pain with weight-bearing. In terms of radiographs, recommended views include an AP and a lateral of the hip. As far as findings, keep in mind that x-rays are not sensitive for osteolysis and typically underestimate the extent of involvement. That being said, you may see lucency of greater than 2 millimeters at the cement bone or metal bone interface, component motion with stress views, and specific findings involving the femoral component and the acetabular component. In terms of the femoral component, you may find subsidence of greater than one centimeter, fracture of the cement mantle, change in the peg neck angle, which can also represent femoral head necrosis slash collapse, as well as femoral neck fracture. You may also see decreased distance from the tip of the peg to the lateral femoral cortex, which can also represent femoral head necrosis slash collapse. And finally, you may also see narrowing of the femoral neck after three years or greater than 10%, and this can also represent impingement. Acetabular component findings can include migration or change in position slash inclination, as well as wearing of the polyethylene liner. Remember that this leads to asymmetric superior location of the femoral head within the acetabular cup. Other studies to obtain include serum labs, such as ESR and CRP. However, these will both be normal. Finally, moving on to treatment of THA aseptic loosening, this can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes observation, which is indicated in the setting of a stable implant with minimal symptoms. Operative options include revision total hip arthroplasty, which is indicated in the setting of pain due to aseptic loosening, pain with evidence of osteolysis, and extensive osteolysis that would compromise revision surgery in the future. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. First question. A 74-year-old female that underwent a right total hip arthroplasty 17 years ago presents with worsening right groin pain. The patient states her pain started seven months ago and has progressively worsened. She denies any fevers or chills. Examination reveals a well-healed surgical incision without erythema or fluctuance. There is moderate discomfort with manipulation of the right hip. Laboratory analysis is significant for an ESR of 12 millimeters per hour, where less than 20 millimeters per hour is normal, a CRP of 1.5 milligrams per liter, with the normal range being less than 3 milligrams per liter, and a white blood cell count of 7,200 cells per microliter, with normal being less than 11,000 cells per microliter. 
A current AP radiograph of the right hip shows severe osteolysis surrounding the acetabular component and gross malpositioning of the cup consistent with acetabular component loosening. The femoral component appears well fixed. Compared to previous radiographs, the femoral stem appears unchanged. What is the most appropriate treatment option? And the choices are 1. Isolated femoral head and polyethylene liner exchange with retroacetabular bone grafting. 2. Two-stage component revision. 3. Femoral component revision. 4. Acetabular component revision. And 5. Revision of both the acetabular and femoral components. The correct answer to this question is 4. Acetabular component revision. So the patient is presenting with extensive osteolysis of the acetabulum resulting in likely aseptic loosening of the acetabular component with a well-fixed femoral component. The most appropriate treatment would be an acetabular component revision. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, isolated femoral head and polyethylene liner exchange with retroacetabular bone grafting is incorrect as the patient has a loose acetabular cup from osteolysis that is apparent on radiographs. An isolated femoral head and liner exchange wouldn't address this and the patient would still have pain with ambulation. Bone grafting would not address component loosening either. Answer 2, two-stage component revision is incorrect as a two-stage revision is reserved for cases of chronic prosthetic joint infections which this patient does not appear to have based on the normal laboratory analysis. Answer 3, femoral component revision is incorrect as an isolated femoral component revision would be indicated in cases of isolated femoral component loosening. The radiographs demonstrate a well-positioned and fixed femoral component. Finally, answer 5, revision of both the acetabular and femoral components is incorrect as revision of both components would be indicated if there was loosening or malpositioning of both components or there were recalled implants. To quickly review, aseptic loosening is the most common cause of late revision for total hip arthroplasty. Loosening is the result of several processes including prosthesis micromotion, generation of particular debris, and macrophage-induced osteolysis. Conventional polyethylene that was used in higher proportions in the early 2000s was associated with osteolysis due to the generation of submicron particles. Macrophages attempt to phagocytose these particles and mount an inflammatory response that upregulated receptor activator of nuclear kappa beta or the rank pathway, which leads to osteolysis. Sheth et al. performed a literature review on the evaluation and management of acetabular bone loss in revision total hip arthroplasty. The authors reviewed the Paprosky classification for acetabular bone loss and recommended the use of non-cemented, porous-coated, hemispheric cups with adjunctive screw fixation in types 1, 2A, and 2B defects. For type 2C defects, the authors recommended highly porous, non-cemented, hemispheric cups with screw fixation and bone grafting of the medial wall defect. For type 3A defects, they advocated for the use of metal augments or structural allograft combined with porous hemispheric cups and possible augmentation with screw fixation and cement. Lastly, for type 3B defects, they recommended the use of non-cemented acetabular devices combined with structural allograft, structural augments, and a reconstruction cage. Oliveri et al. performed a review of the current concepts of osteolysis in arthroplasty surgery. The authors cited literature supporting a complex activation mechanism of the osteolytic pathway that ultimately results in the upregulation of rank. The authors concluded that the differences in osteolysis seen in patients may be the result of varying sensitivities to wear particles and the ability to mount an immune response. 
And moving on to the final question. A 77-year-old patient presents with right hip and upper thigh pain for the past three months. AP and lateral views of the right hip demonstrate a right total hip arthroplasty. The femoral stem shows gross loosening in all zones. Subsidence is obvious with a high-riding greater trochanter. The lateral cement mantle is fractured. There is endosteal erosion distally with the tip of the stem showing radiographic toggle. The patient is an avid golfer and plans to travel south for six months on a golf tour. He denies fever, chills, or weight loss. His past medical history includes hypertension and a right total hip replacement 15 years ago. Physical examination reveals minimal pain with range of motion. ESR is 10 with the normal range being between 0 to 20 and CRP is 4 with the normal range being between 0 to 10. He does not want any further surgery. The patient is at highest risk of which complication with non-operative care. And the choices are 1. Infection 2. Pseudotumor formation 3. Periprosthetic femoral fracture 4. Periprosthetic acetabular fracture and 5. Dislocation The correct answer to this question is 3. Periprosthetic femoral fracture. So this patient has presented with significant osteolysis and aseptic loosening of his femoral total hip arthroplasty component. If untreated, he is at increased risk of a periprosthetic femur fracture. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, infection, is incorrect, as infection should always be ruled out in cases of osteolysis. However, in this case, there are no infectious symptoms and laboratory analysis is within normal ranges. Answer 2, pseudotumor formation, is incorrect, as pseudotumor formation largely occurs with metal-on-metal -metal components. Answer 4, periprosthetic acetabular fracture, is incorrect, as periprosthetic acetabular fracture is less likely in this case. The cup has some osteolysis, but it remains well fixed. Acetabular fractures are less likely when there is minimal osteolysis. Finally, answer 5, dislocation is incorrect, as hip dislocation can occur secondary to massive osteolysis. The long-standing history from the index procedure makes hip dislocation less likely. Also, he has no other risk factors for dislocation. To quickly review, indications for surgery for periprosthetic osteolysis includes pathologic fracture, impending pathologic fracture, symptomatic total hip arthroplasty with evidence of osteolysis, and extensive osteolysis that would compromise revision surgery in the future. The goal of surgery is to remove the loose component, repair-slash-bypass-slash-replace bone deficiency, and obtain stable component fixation. Robbins et al. reviewed the causes of pain in total hip arthroplasty. They report that hip pain can originate from the implant, soft tissue, or bone. The use of laboratory tests, for example ESR and CRP, Radiographic and fluoroscopic imaging, hip aspirate, contrast arthrography, and local anesthetic injections can help to determine the origin of pain. Oliveri et al. report that the most frequent cause of failure after total hip replacement in all reported arthroplasty registries is periprosthetic osteolysis. Osteolysis occurs with the activation of macrophages and a complex biological cascade that results in bone loss. Hirokawa et al. analyzed the circumstances around retrieved failed total hip arthroplasty components. They showed that cement mantle defects, non-circumferential porous coatings, and screw holes are risk factors for osteolysis. They conclude by saying that the formation of a granulomatous tissue that ultimately invades the bone implant interface is the final step in the pathogenesis of aseptic loosening. That's all for this review about THA aseptic loosening. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. 
Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com. And in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're listening on Spotify, please leave your comments in the Q&A section under this episode. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and now even TikTok for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast. Thank <laughs> you.